Hey, this is Taylor and welcome back to another message from Elevate Retake. We are starting our new sermon series called Rethinking Church. And the title of this sermon this week is To the Church with Two Addresses. A key text we will be taking a look at is found in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 1. And that reads, This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you grace and peace. Your engaged question as you listen to this sermon is, what is your church's address? Welcome home. We're at this time of the year. There's lots of room for many more people. Southwestern Adventist University is done, and there was, uh, as Pastor Russ affectionately says, a loud sucking sound on campus as students went home to their place. So if you're watching online, we're glad that you chose to join us today. I'm glad for you that are in the room, because God says where there are two or three gathered, his presence will be amongst us. Do you believe that? I know I do. It's good to be back. I got to share this space with a couple of up-and-coming preachers the past three weeks. Did our deep calling journey with Pastors Kayla and Danny. And last week, Pastor Eliel, graduating theology major, brought us the word. I was blessed the past couple weeks, but it's good to be back. I was telling the team this morning, uh, we are in uncharted territory. We've been in uncharted territory since uh, March, but it feels especially uncharted because at this point last year, our first year in this collective space, we were 100% online. And so at this point in May last year, I didn't get to see your faces. I just saw the Cyclops in the back that allowed my face to be seen by you, but you not to be seen by me. So we are on an adventure this summer. We don't know what the summertime looks like in this sanctuary in a thing called Elevate, but I'm glad that you're here for the experiment because if we call it an experiment and it fails, hey, it was just an experiment. We'll try try something different, right? I'm glad you're here this morning for that. We're diving into a series called Rethinking Church, Faith and Community in the Light of Jesus' Return. What do faith and community look like in the light of Jesus' return? And how should we be living our lives? Because we seem to go from global event to global event. Jesus' return pops back up. It's soon, it's soon, it's soon. But how soon is it? And how does his return affect our everyday lives? This summer, we're going to be looking at two letters that Paul wrote to the people of Thessalonica. We'll be in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians for the majority of the summer. And I'm excited to bring these to you because these are some of the most pastoral letters that Paul will write. And in fact, they're some of the earliest letters that he wrote to a young church plant in Thessalonica. Likely one of the earliest letters. Some people debate whether Galatians was written first or 1st Thessalonians, but whether Galatians was first or 1st Thessalonians was first, point is that it was written around AD 49 to 51, somewhere in there. That was less than 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. So it's very fresh. Most of us can remember what 20 years ago looked like. There's a few of us that are a little younger in the room. That's okay. What was happening 20 years ago? Uh, It's a little fuzzy over the past year that we've gone, right? But 9-11 was 20 years ago. Celebrate 20 years of that. And think of how the world has changed between now and then, but it's still so close in the near past. 
Paul is writing to a fresh and young church, one who he loves dearly. And the question that we must turn to today is, what is your church's address? Anybody know the address here? Nobody? 114 South Fairview, Keene, Texas, 76059. That was the information you were looking to get this morning, right? But that address is important because it allows people maybe unfamiliar with this space to sign in on their wonderful little black pocket computer. Maybe yours is pink. I don't know. Put in the address and find this particular location. And you can tell someone, hey, at 114 South Fairview at 1030 on Saturday mornings, we gather as a community and we worship, we open up scripture together, we sing songs together, and it's just a blast. At least I hope that's what you say. I got one amen. I appreciate that. Thanks, Simu. This address is important. Where we're located is important. And we're looking at one verse today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, and we have to ponder on this verse and ask this question of the verse. So let's go to the verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. I invite you to turn there with me if you've got your Bible with you, whether it is paperback or electronic. No shame either way. If it's electronic, just switch already. You know, paper's good. Kidding, I'll leave that one there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. We're reading from the New Living Translation here. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We're writing to the church in Thessalonica. To you who belong to God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, may God give you peace. May God give you grace and peace. Now, this is the New Living Translation, and I've often over probably about the past nine months been preaching from the New Living Translation because I feel it brings in a... a uh, a clear understanding, puts it more in modern language so that we can wrestle and grapple with what's going on. But today, there's a little bit too much going on in this verse in the New Living Translation. We have to strip things back a little bit, get a little bit closer to the Greek so we can really parse out and understand the words in Paul's address to the church in Thessalonica. So we turn to the New American Standard Bible, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Some words taken out simplifies it a little bit more. And you might be thinking in your mind, why, what, what is this verse? Great, this sounds like a great setup for some great things to come. But this verse is the key to understanding Paul's, Silas's, and Timothy's heart as they're writing to the church in Thessalonica. So we must first turn to find out who are the people that are writing this passage, this letter, this text message, this email that they're sending to the church in Thessalonica. Well, we're introduced to them, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Some versions will say Silas in place of Silvanus. Some will say Silvanus and not Silas. That's the Latin term or the Greek word for the Hebrew Silas. It's kind of used interchangeably. You'll recognize Silas from the book of Acts. He's a buddy that hangs out with Paul and goes on a lot of missionary adventures with him. Paul's the ever adventurous Jew turned Christian, the former persecutor, now the proclaimer of the risen Lord and Savior prolific writer of the New Testament letters. Most of the letters written in the New Testament are written by Paul. Um, Silas was that missionary partner with Paul. And then there's Timothy, 
the young adult, the one who uh, is famously written to that says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. That Timothy, the, the mentee that Paul takes as he mentors him in ministry. And it's interesting to point out at the very start of this letter that Paul could have just said, this letter is from Paul and forget about Silas and Timothy. But he takes the time at the very beginning of this letter to say, it's me, it's Silas, and it's Timothy, all working on this project together. Now, I know some of you have recently graduated or maybe you're still in school. Um, just by a quick raise of hands, how many of you like group projects? Nobody. Okay, a few of you down here. Mrs. Patterson, we'll just kind of, we'll turn our, we'll turn our uh, attention away from that. By and large, some of us excel in group projects, right? And others of us, not so much. It's like, man, I'd really just kind of like to take this on myself. I personally um, am a recovering um, non-liker of group projects. I'm trying to figure out, okay, what does it look like for me to work with others? Because my tendency and my personality is to say, hey, I can take this on and I can do it myself. And that could have been Paul's approach as he's writing this letter, but he says, no, Silas and Timothy are with me in this. And in fact, some commentators argue that Paul was elevating Silas's and Timothy's status because Silas and Timothy weren't necessarily peers of Paul. They were more assistants, mentees of the great mentor. But he says, no, you are with me, co-signing this letter with me. So a question that we perhaps maybe should ask ourselves this morning is how are we bringing others along in our work and our success? Whose status are you elevating? What project are you working on that somebody else has the gifts and talents or maybe the rough gifts and talents that need to be smoothed out that working with you by your side would improve them? And maybe it would work on you. Who are we bringing, how, who are the people that we're bringing along with us? How are we bringing them along? And maybe for a moment, they're riding on our coattails of success in our work. But most often as we step forward in faith, bringing someone else with us, we have the inertia and momentum to then propel them further into the future. And that's really what this community is grounded in, right? In Christian education, we go from elementary school all the way to graduate degrees right here in this town. And it's by the community coming together and say, hey, we're going to invest in you. We're going to bring you along in the journey that we propel hundreds of graduates every year from school to school and then out into the workforce to proclaim the name of Jesus. Who are we bringing along with us in our work? Paul's attention then turns once he's established, this is from me, this is from Silas, and this is from Timothy. He grounds his letter to a specific location, to the church of the Thessalonians. Now, about Thess Thessalonica for a moment. It's on mainland Greece. It was in kind of the middle. It was on the north and south trade route, and it was on the east and west trade route. It was a hub, and by the way, it was a port city as well, so not only was it accessible by land, but it was also accessible by sea. And it's often described as the key to all of Macedonia. It was the place that you went, the main hub. You had to go through Thessalonica to get to anywhere else in the Grecian kingdom. 
And by the way, Thessalonica had a large population of Jews. And it's to these people that Paul has addressed his letter. Now, question pops in your mind, why is Paul, Silas, and Timothy writing to the church in Thessalonica? Like, what history do they have? If you're writing a letter to somebody, there's, there's a story that's gone before. You don't just wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to write a letter to some random person I know. Maybe that's you. I don't know. Come tell me afterwards. I'd love to hear about that. But there's a context. There's a, there's a story. There's a relationship that has been built. We don't have time today to get into all of the context because coming later this summer, we'll dive into where this story occurs in Acts chapter 17. But for our purposes today, we understand that Thessalonica, when Paul, Silas, and Timothy, who would come later, came to town, they were met with opposition. There was a big institutional Jewish synagogue. They came preaching and proclaiming the risen Savior who was Jesus. And the religious leaders didn't like that a whole bunch. They pulled them aside and says, no, what are you, like, what are you doing? And they incited a mob, tried to get people around and tried to run them out of town and they couldn't find Paul or Silas. And Paul and Silas would leave after a very, very short time. Some scholars say it's weeks. Some people say it's months. It was a very short time in that community. But while they were there proclaiming the name of the risen Lord, they started a church plant, predominantly made up of Gentile Greeks and a few Jews who had come over from the synagogue. But this up and budding church was now in competition to the established synagogue. And it's to this situation that Paul is writing. His pastoral heart and his care for a people that he's labored short with, but that he's invested much of his blood, sweat, and tears in their lives. There was so much potential in this city, but met with great opposition. And it's to this church, this ecclesia in the Greek, to this assembly or this collection of believers that Paul has addressed this letter. And it's a, an assembly very much like one that we might have today. The community that we call Elevate or Keen Church, this gathering of believers. Maybe one day an itinerant preacher comes through and shares with us and labors with us, goes on to some other location, and then writes back a letter of encouragement speaking to our specific needs. This letter is grounded within a context of believers who are anxiously awaiting the soon coming of Jesus. As I've read the book of first and second, books of 1 and 2 Thessalonians, I resonate with this group of people anxiously looking forward to the second coming of Jesus, but having to labor under much opposition. And this church is very unique because it has two addresses to the church of the Thessalonians in God. Addresses are, are really, really important. So important that it can mean the difference between where your tithe and offering goes. Now hear me out on this. We know Keene, Texas, right? Very familiar to us, very, uh, a very home place for many of us. Did you know that there's also a Keene, New Hampshire? Has anybody been there? Has anybody heard of Keene, New Hampshire? Okay, Mr. Wall has, few of you have, all right? 
So here's the thing, uh, and it happens, I don't know, every six months or something like that. Somebody will sign on to our Adventist giving website, and they'll type in the Keene Church, and it will automatically go to the Keene New Hampshire Church. And we've gotten calls from the treasurer over there that says, hey, your member has given over here. You probably should educate your people about where your church is. No, I didn't say it exactly right there. But addresses are important, right? They can mean the difference between you funding local mission here or someplace else. And praise God for the funding that's come from here that's gone to the Key New Hampshire church. But addresses are very, very important. It can be the difference between you receiving your Amazon order and your neighbor receiving your Amazon order. You ever had to take a box that was placed on your porch over to somebody else's porch or apartment that's close to you or they're bringing your box to your front door? Addresses are important. They help us sort out the physical space around us. And Paul is making it clear in this letter that he's writing to the church in Thessalonica, the church made up of the Thessalonians. This is a grounding address. It helps them understand their missional footprint, who's around them. It gives them purpose and meaning to what they do, that it's not just this ethereal experience that now, okay, we're here and we're going to go anywhere and everywhere we want. Paul is reminding us in this letter that this church has a physical footprint, a place in community where it will affect people for good or for bad. And the second address that this young church has is a spiritual one, in God. This church is in God. That vital organic union makes it possible for them to share a common life. This address gives them structure for their beliefs and it charts their direction. It's the same place that they come back to their common belief together in a God who loves them and has come to save them. Think about this for a moment. A physical address is not enough because you can stick a bunch of people in a room and they may or may not get along. But there's something beautiful about the community of God, of people who have their address rooted in the heart of God coming together in a physical space. And this year we learned that that physical space is also augmented as well. Those of you that are online, you are as much a part of this community as those of us that are sitting in this space right now trying to figure out what that balance between the two looks like and how we connect both here and on the internet. God's church was living in Thessalonica and the Thessalonian church was living in God. John Stott in the message of Thessalonians puts it this way on page 28 of his commentary. Every church has two homes, two environments, two habitats. It lives in God and it lives in the world. The question that comes to my mind as we're wrestling with this passage as a community today is what is our, what is our address here at Elevate and Keene Church? And not just the 114 South Fairview, Keene, Texas 76059. But what's our community footprint? Where are we grounded and rooted physically and what brings us together spiritually? Grounded. Our community, we walk outside the doors of this church and we see hundreds of homes and thousands of people. Many of you from the community are here today and there are others who have no idea what goes on in this space or what 
Elevate's all about or Keen Church or Seventh Adventist who? We're not called to go out and be maybe necessarily brand ambassadors or knock on every door and say, hey, you need to be in this space. But as we carry ourselves through the community, people should know that there is something different in our heart, not because we're weird, and I know some of us are, and it's okay, we're recovering, it's all right. But because God is alive and working in our hearts. And it's the coming together of our faith community. We can think about the things that bond us, our keeping of the Sabbath, our gathering together on the seventh day. Uh, It's the, the grace of Jesus, the mercy of the resurrected Lord. We have similar belief on the Trinity and on creation, and everybody loves a good haystack. Amen? Few of you, I know some of you hate them. It's okay. But here's the thing that we have to wrestle with is that as we are a community in God, we are also a community in our community. And how we treat others matters to the heart of God. When a a, a learner of the law comes to Jesus and says, hey, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus says this, love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And there's a second unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the crossroads of church. We rethink what church is, the crossroads of our relationship with God and our relationship with the community. And can we take it a step farther as we got news today that the, or this week that the CDC saying, hey, for those of you that have been vaccinated, masks, don't worry about them. And as a church, we're wrestling with how do we gather as a community to look out for the least of these, but make sure that this space is accessible to all. Our relationship with God influences how we love other people. And that intersection between love for others and love for God is where I pray that this community inhabits space. Two more things we've got to look at before we wrap up today. First Thessalonians chapter 1. Church of the Thessalonians in God. Two addresses in Thessalonica and in God. And notice here, God is described as the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. For us, this is really no big deal, right? We connect those two all the time. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We are set to go. But for Paul and the Thessalonians, this was huge. Particularly in a Jewish community who was known for rejecting Jesus the man as the divine divine Messiah. And no later than 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, Paul is putting the two together. He's putting an equal sign between God the Father and God the Son. Between God who is Father and God who is Jesus Christ. Our Messiah who was put to death and was raised to life again. God as Father makes us sons and daughters, makes us brothers and sisters, not only of those of us sitting in this community and Christianity at large, but it also makes us brothers and sisters with Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, the one who has come to save and saved and is looking forward to coming back to this earth again to make all things new. You see, the Jews in that community, they knew of Jesus the man, They crucified him. They had a difficult understanding of wrestling with Jesus, the the divine Messiah, and the Lord who had all authority given over to him. This understanding of the connection between God the Father and Jesus Christ, the Lord, helps shape how we live and believe. And finally, Paul opens this letter with a greeting. He says, this is who we are 
This is who we're writing to. This is my understanding of who God is. And now here's my blessing and my hope to you. Grace to you and peace. Isn't that a wonderful greeting? Five simple words that bring so much hope, bring so much love in them. You know, we, for those of you that have written letters, you write emails, we always start off our emails or letters with a greeting, right? Dear such and so. And often it's like, I hope this email finds you well. And we say that, we mean it well, right? But what happens if the email does not find that person well? They disregard the rest of the message. Do we really care what's going on? It's just kind of a nice way to get into the message. My favorite one to, to use uh, during the midst of the, the pandemic and kind of ongoing as I write emails occasionally is, dear such and so, I hope you are staying positive and testing negative. Uh, some of you caught it. Yeah, yeah, that's a fun one, fun one. But we use greetings, right, to share hope and to share a blessing. And Paul's utmost hope for this community is that they would experience grace. And this grace comes from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we put this NASB into the Texan translation, it would be grace to y'all, because that's a plural you in there. Paul, as he's writing to this up-and-coming church, this church who's, who's in their infancy, he says, I want you to experience grace from God. I want you to know the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to come close into a connection with the Holy Spirit that you might live your life grace-filled. It says grace to you. Grace to all y'all, everybody in the room. Grace is God's unmerited favor towards us. It's everything that he has done on our behalf. Paul makes the point that says, you don't have to walk this alone. The journey that you're going through in life, you're not alone in this because you can experience God's grace. And when we experience God's grace, we can then have peace. It's the grace that comes first. It's the only way that we can make it through this world is by God's grace the anointing presence of the Holy Spirit on our lives. And as God comes close to us and reminds us of his grace, we experience peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. And by the way, God's peace is not just an absence of conflict, but a fullness of life. Where you know that whatever you go through, that your Savior can walk on water in the midst of the storm. That no matter where you go, rocks cannot hold him in. He was resurrected. That sin and death could not hold him to a cross. That he was raised in new life so that we could experience new life as well. That was Paul's wish for this two-address church. That the people in Thessalonica and in God would experience grace and peace. And that's my wish for you as well. All y'all, whether you're in the front, you're in the back, you're watching online, you're up in the balcony, you're hearing this on the podcast later, watching the YouTube video later. My wish for you as a pastor in this community is that you would experience that grace and that peace and that this community, one with two addresses, keen Texas 76059 
elevate, grounded in God and in his word, that we would be a place where people could find grace and leave with peace. Question I want to leave you with today. What's our church's address? Are we going to be a church that's so center focused and looking at our belly buttons that like, yo, this is it right here. We so focused up at God that we miss of who's around us. What does our address look like? What does our footprint look like here in this community? Let's pray. God, thank you for being a God who wants to extend grace to us and for us to experience peace. Pray, Lord, that through the example of the church in Thessalonica, as Paul is writing to this two-address church, that we as well would understand our address physically and our address spiritually. May you empower us, God, to receive grace from you and extend it to those around us that our community might be resting in peace. God, may we find you and share you with those around us. May the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit walk closely with us every step of the way. God, we leave this all in your hands and we pray for grace today that leads to peace. In Jesus' name I pray. I love that we as believers get to come together as a group of people who love, appreciate, and can't wait to share the Word of God. And that makes us a church. I also love that God will give us His grace and peace as it talks about in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 1. May God give you grace and peace. And we can pray that over people in our church and for people outside of our church. And that is such a blessing to be a part of. This was an awesome message and I look forward to digging a little bit deeper later this week with Pastor Michael and a guest that we bring in. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Elevate Retake, and I look forward to seeing you later this week. Tune in and continue listening. We appreciate your support. Blessings. Have a great week.